I have a subject which has been given to me, but the subject has taken away the subject. And by subject, I mean subject with a capital S, because there is actually only one subject. All others are objects that he fulfills. And one of them, of course, is this beautiful place. And I must say, share my impressions. As beautifully Monaji said, it's like the Pran Pratishtha. And uh, such a beautiful journey, this concealment, like the psychic being, all of it was so, so much resonating. Um, just a few days before I started my journey to Surat this time, someone was asking me that uh, about centers that I had seen. And it's Mother's Grace, long back I had prayed to her in some mood or moment that I would like to visit all your temples across the world. It was just an urge which came much before I uh, got into this speaking and uh, truly it's been a blessing to all over India and uh, most places in the world, wherever her centers are. I can't say all, but many of the places she took me along. So, fair amount of idea and experience of these places. And I've seen other centers also of different things. But... Uh, when I came to this place, uh, just today, I mean, I've seen when it was in the making, but today. So, something what uh, Brother Narad said, it resonated, that this is it. If somebody ever asks me for a model center, so I, spontaneously I would say, Shurabindo Integral Life Center, this is the place, if you want to see a model center. And last time I felt about the university, that this is a potential to develop into a old time we had Takshila, Nalanda this is the potential to do that how far that potential will manifest when it will manifest will depend on the degree of soul energy that we put into it which is what makes a difference because buildings can be constructed it's not easy no doubt about it but there are buildings which have been constructed in the world which are unique wonderful uh, I'm sure many of us have seen those buildings I have seen some of those grand buildings uh, which have been built, uh, dedicated to some either uh, a movement uh, or a function, but they lack the soul. So where does the soul come in from? And this is where I see the difference. It's easy to create uh, beautifully, you mentioned, thank you for that, simplicity, richness and beauty and without being loud, all that which is about the psychic being. But the soul energy is something which uh, is missing because everybody is focused around making something grand which hits the eye. But what hits the soul? So I was thinking, Hasmuk um, Bhai uh, is uh, like, you know, Brahmaji. So <laughs> Brahmaji's task is, <laughs> you see, he is inspired by the Divine Mother, Brahmaji. When Someone asked the mother that, uh, Shurabindu says, you are the creator, but we have read that Brahma is the creator. So, what is the truth of the matter? And she said, Hasn't, haven't you heard that Brahma is a child of the mother? Brahma is the creator means he is the front man. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, well, he is like Brahma who goes around and collects the best material. And after 
picking them together, something happens and you have these beautiful things which are the result of this uh, unique capacity or work that the mother has given. And I must say that sometimes we forget that uh, by the side of Brahma, it is Saraswati whose Veena is actually creating. And while we talk about all the people, I must say that particularly Gita Ji, one picture where nondescript uh, she sits, but uh, I think without her constant support, and she is without like all the qualities, not being loud, not being in the forefront, and yet doing things from behind. So it's amazing. Thank you for this place. A word about the crystal, that crystal. When I saw that, my own impression. I'm sure each one will have his own impression. It should be like this. But a crystal supported by the mother's symbol four and twelve. It um, somehow reminded me that long back, the Vara Avatar had rescued Earth from below. And this is symbolized me, the mother rescuing Earth. And this Earth has become now one with the sun. It's become a crystal which is pure and beautiful and radiating. Drenched and purified of all the things that need to be left behind. And now she is lifted up. Why? Because she is supported by the Divine Mother. And she is moving in a journey towards the sun. So that was my impression when I saw the crystal. And the beauty is that this space which is confined and yet not confined, it opens toward the wideness. Something that I always used to dream that there should be a house like that. And people told me don't keep glass houses because glass houses, you know, that uh, famous... Uh, dialogue <laughs> because you can't conceal anything but I believe that why should we conceal anything from the divine so it's beautiful to have a glass all around which opens us to the wideness and yet it doesn't allow us to be swallowed up by it which is something so important the psychic being is like that it allows the individual aspect of the divine to manifest opens to the universal without being swallowed up by it, which is something so beautiful. And of course, the transcendent and in the perfect union of these three, we have the creation which emerges. So many more beautiful things to come. And I believe this building, the other thought, one last thing I share is that this building is from the future. This is how the thought entered. It's from the future. It's not present. It's not past, it's from the future and when people ask where is the sign that supramental force is working, they are always looking at the wrong places and the wrong places, either the economy must change or the government must part a, pass a bill in the parliament <laughs> well at least I must say, my own impression even that is changing, <laughs> happening but that's not the place you should look for these changes, these changes start from within outwards Changes don't come right in the forefront. They will begin from within man's inspiration, his imagination, thought. And now I can add to my list of things that, well, if you want to see where the supramental force is manifesting, go and visit Shobindo Integral Life Center. Spend a few days. And uh, this I'm saying all from the heart, nothing uh, added up or anywhere. At the, I mean, everything should be like that, straightforward, frank. 
and one last little thing that's flashed into my mind i this my um, flash so i can't say whether it's happened or not but i imagine like in oroville mother used to go on that place for a drive and i am told sometimes she would look at this place where now oroville is and obviously she must have created it in some dimension and it took long time to manifest my own flashes that shurbindo has come to surat <laughs> need i say further probably passing by one of these he must have looked and probably thought about a place where ideal of education will manifest with a soul and that thought which was sown in the void is taking shape you see all of us have been through various universities i have been through some of the best universities i mean in india banaras hindu university and fmc pune pune university and i always used to feel uh, why is bhu so unique i've been to different university i realized that what i remember of that place though wonderful place in every way that there was a shiva temple and that was a place i would connect with and many of us i have met some old bhu people and i would ask them the shiva temple what a magnificent so it's a beautiful thing which we have lost as you rightly remarked thank you for reminding all the universities these are universities without a soul there is no soul there is learning and learning without a soul can create an asura we know that ravan was equipped with everything many kinds of vidyas and sh- shastras and shastras but without the soul it all becomes meaningless so this uh, sri arvindo integral life center at slc <laughs> um, within a university campus i hope this is a trend setter for all universities to come in the future that at least in the indian setting have universities with a soul without which all learning becomes meaningless because whatever we learn whatever we become has to become an instrument of the soul of a divine design this in a nutshell is shurbindo's yoga so they are not two different things only we have to find the right relation right now the relation is soul is buried deep inside we don't know we don't care also to discover but the right relation is the body mind heart life are instruments of the soul and therefore they must be perfected even the soul must arrive at its own perfection so perfected soul becomes as shobindo says arya to arhat it becomes none else but a portion of the divine and a perfected instrument mind body life become an instrument of the divine and that is how this journey of earth will become one day the life divine so this is the whole journey very simply put but slipping into the subject where did this journey begin where where does the call from the future come from the call was always there and that is what we see in if we look at humanity from a very very large wide perspective for instance today we are all seated here and the small perspective is that well we happen to be faculty we happen to be here there and uh, somebody thought about having a program and 
some willingly, some probably not so willingly, I don't know, Saturday, Sunday, somehow came here. This is a very small way to look at it. Why? Because it means that things are happening randomly. But there is a deeper force which compels our choices. Even sometimes against our outward choices. This is what all of us learn as we go through the journey of life. One doesn't have to be a yogi for that. And I believe that we are all here after traveling millions of years. After traveling God knows how many lifetimes. And we are here to listen to a future which Shurabindu is manifesting before us. And in that long journey there are many landscapes we have seen. And those landscapes, many lives we have lived, those lives are continuing to exist within us. And that's where I'll go into the religion and religious life and the spiritual life. And we can see it. What is the first life? We, of course, we speak about one life. And of course, there is one life. Some say there are many lives. I say there are many lives in one life also. <laughs> what is the first life that a child experiences? It's the life of the body. The child's bodily life is driven by instincts. Nobody teaches how to breathe. Nobody teaches how to feel hungry, how to go to the right place, seek the mother's attention by crying. Nobody teaches all these things. It's a life which has in the body has evolved to a point where it knows how to manage itself by the power of instincts. And this is the first life that we all lead the life of the body and this life of the body has its own beautiful purpose. It's not just to survive but ultimately to manifest. All manifestation is on the basis of uh, matter, on the basis of the body. So this bodily life must be strong, healthy. It has certain needs. It needs food, exercise, rest, sleep. But unfortunately, when life remains exclusively centered around the body, they atma both, then it begins to collapse sooner or later. So that's why this life is disturbed. I was watching this, disturbing. It is a purpose. This life was disturbed, bodily life was disturbed by life itself. It stirred it. All the mud it began to throw up and there is another kind of life which we all lead. It's a life of desires. Centered around I want this, I wish this, I hope this. This is the second kind of life we all need. A life of desires, ambition, etc, etc. The list is very long. <laughs> this is another kind of life where we live for the fulfillment of that. But a time comes when this is not enough to satisfy us. There is a beautiful poem of Shirvindo where he says, There is a need within the soul of man, the splendors of the surface never sate. For life and mind and their glory and debate are a slow prelude to a vaster theme, a preface of the epic supreme. So all this life, bodily life and life of desires which can be um, so dangerous and delightful and <laughs> frustrating and, and uh, enjoying whatever it is, 
cannot satisfy human beings for long. It is inbuilt, programmed. There is no God who is punishing us. There is nobody who is saying, Oh, this karma, therefore, it is a grace. When our designs are frustrated, it is a grace. It is showing us, look here, there is something more. Why don't you see that? It compels us to turn towards something within or above, to seek support, to think, to try to understand. And so a new life springs out of this life of desires. It's a life of thought. Thinking man is born and he begins to wonder why he is, where he is. So a third life begins, an intellectual life. And it starts from essentially thinking about some basic questions. It starts with, why me? I've never understood this question. Because why me means as if I'm the only one targeted by somebody out there. (laughs) Ask this world. And then we will say, why This world, not only me, why this world has its so much struggle, suffering as part of it. Buddha even generalizes it. It's one of his fundamental uh, doctrines starts with Dukkham. There is, of course, uh, Dukh is of many kinds. It's not only just about material poverty. A lot of uh, Dukkham suffering is because of inner poverty, which we don't realize. And that inner poverty creates a sense of stifling, suffering, even when everything is in abundance, which we never address. So anyways, so mind begins to think and wonder. And in response to its thought, another life begins to emerge. And that is what is the spiritual life. It's like a newborn baby, as it's described sometimes in the Vedas. Offspring, child, whom we must nurture and nourish. It's not that spiritual life was never there. So there we see how religion comes into existence. Since physical life starts, and even for a baby, there is always the sense of uncertainty all around. And the first stirrings of our contact with the subject, God, call it reality, is when we are faced with the Terrible vastness, intimidating, this fear, the elements, we don't know what is going to happen when. The storm, the thunder, the clouds. And then we start connecting with God as a somebody who assuages our fears, fear and favor. The first doctrines of contact with the divine. Unfortunately, some religions encash upon it and many of us make it the last. But if we read the Gita, we see Artha and Artharthi are only the first two ways. And wherever there is this connect with the, with the divine, where God is outside, He grants us outward things and looks after our outward needs, we have a religion. Even that is an approach to God. And He is, he is a giver of all these things. But if we stop there, that He is only meant for he is like a genie in the bottle and his omnipotence must be at our service we should tell him I command and thou must fulfill (laughs) most irrational demands 
Yet it's your job description. No, sir. <laughs> His job description is also to snatch away from our hand that bottle which would never get filled. <laughs> So that is also his job description, which we learn later on. But nevertheless, so this is how there is a primitive religion which begins to form. We'll see that it's the first approach to God. It has its own purpose. Spirits of nature, you see, in every element we worship trees. Not that this is this has its own place. This is the first scaffolding through which we begin. We worship this. We worship that. We worship everything in India. We are so fortunate. Everything is sacred, and so we start with that. But as we begin to go further and further, that he is not just a cosmic spirit giving us things. We begin to think, who is he? Beautiful passage from Shurvindos. Who, in the blue of the sky, in the green of the forest, whose is the hand that has painted the glow? Now the glow is okay, but we want to know who has painted this glow. It's not enough that we are enjoying. Say, ah, this is so wonderful. When the winds were asleep in the womb of the ether, who was it roused them and bade them to blow? He is lost in the heart, in the cavern of nature. He is found in the brain where he builds up the thought. In the pattern, in the luminous, in the pattern and bloom of the flower, he is woven. In the luminous net of the stars, he is caught. Then we have those wonderful in the strength of a man, in the beauty of woman, in the laughter of boy, in the blush of a girl, the hand that sent Jupiter spinning through heaven spends all its cunning to fashion a curl. And then comes this wonderful time come when we say, these are his works and his veils and his cunning. But who is he then? By what name is he known? And then we have all the names. Is he Brahma or Vishnu? Man or a woman? Bodied or bodiless? Twin or alone? And we see that you know humanity approaches. Now this is where we see when man begins to question this existence, question himself, begins to seek the thinking man. Out of that something happens, and suddenly pop. That which was pursuing us, hidden as spirits of nature, giving us some gifts, doling us some rewards for some good deeds and punishments <laughs> out of some bad deeds, etc., etc., all those early notions. We begin to discover that he is the friend who was walking with us through this journey. And it's so easy to understand. Can we really imagine by random accidents, man the most, in terms of animals, he is the most unlikely to survive when he would have been come into the caves. All, the, all those anacondas and God knows around. I mean, sometimes I imagine how the life must have been in the caves. Isn't it? With the lions and tigers, he is the most incompetent fellow at that point of time. He didn't have vaccines. <laughs> but he had viruses. Plenty of them. He had no knowledge which plant is dangerous, which is not, which will heal him. And yet he survived and grew and evolved that today we are sitting and talking about the future of the planet. Who has led us on this journey? It doesn't require any big book to read. But sheer common sense that there is somebody who has been walking with us. Let's find who is he. And when this question starts, let's find who is he. 
the master of man and his infinite lover he is close to our hearts had we vision to see why don't we see him everybody says he is there everybody says he is inside we don't see him why because we are lost in the pomp and the pride of our passions we are proud of our thoughts where we hold ourselves free so it remains hidden we are busy after when we are busy then after some time you know when children are playing and doing things this that and mama comes is beta bachcha ah don't disturb me but when the child feels hungry mama <laughs> mama <laughs> so this what happens after some time our hunger cannot be filled by any number of objects that's when we are curious about the subject and then we begin to discover that's when spiritual life begins when we ask the right questions we have not asked the right questions we have the answers all the books in schools are filled with answers about all the processes how ask a child he will rattle out how does this happen how does that happen why perhaps there is none this what the books will tell us who don't ask this question don't be crazy who there is no who this is a randomly happening event accident wonderful one marvels then one wishes life should be only accidents if this is the result the last is that of an accident so when we begin to ask this question who who is this hidden in all this creation who is hidden inside me who is behind the veil is there someone then the spiritual life begins and then he starts revealing not immediately the whole of it why because we'll be floored with that mighty stupendous you know in kathopanishad nachiketa asyama i am so happy you are telling me such beautiful things how could this my masala okay but he is something like this he is telling him wonderful things wonderful things and he says oh my god tell me about that and then nachi yama says you want me to tell you about that na tatra surya bhati na chandra tarakam nem nema vidyuto kanti kuto yamagni where is that fire which can even think about that our sun is like a darkness before that splendor of splendors and then he says you know you are asking about that where the you know in his banquet the sages and heroes are food in his banquet and i death am a spice <laughs> to spice up the food you want to ask about him sarvabhoktaram and yet yoga is all about the divine revealing himself to man nar narayan you see in sagar manthan when everything is over beautiful story and at the end how does the lord fight he fights as nar narayan this is the last expression and then after preparing us so all the journey is a preparation i am i'm taking a little aside but i must say of course um, somebody like hasmukh bhai people will write many beautiful things probably book and other things but i must say this is what is something extraordinary this is one work this kind of work which immortalizes a person and who are all who are involved 
countless. This is the work. It's not about recognition by anyone. These kind of things, which are directly as if moved by the divine afflators, so slowly prepares us. All the rest is a preparation. When we look back, all the rest is a preparation, and that preparation one day comes handy, and then he begins to shine. First, this aspect, that aspect. Sometimes impersonal, personal. Let the debaters be lost in the debate. Let's go to discover who is that which is you. Sometimes it becomes personal, impersonal, suprapersonal. And then we will discover the wholeness of, we may use the word integral divine for want of better word. The creator in all the fullness of his splendor. The one for whom all creation is made. The one who is manifesting himself through all this millions of years and will manifest. This is what earth is made for. The one who hides behind all forms. The one who is within, who is without. Tadejati, tannejati, taddure, taduvandike. Tadantarasya, antarasya. Sarvasya, yadubahiyat. Who is everywhere. And when we reach that point, then spiritual life begins to graduate. Spiritual life also is a long journey. It starts with, who is he? Who is that? What is where? Where do I find him? Then glimpses. Each glimpse, one can, one is a yogi and start a school, a sect, cult based on one experience. Each of them is such a priceless treasure. And we see that religions have been formed based on one line of experience. And yet, Shirobindo does not stop there. He says, I want the whole, this whole, this rounded, the perfect perfection. And that wholeness of the divine, the integral truth. What is the integral truth? It does not cut off life here and life there. So let me complete that from material Retreat, spiritual retreat, when we go back to spiritual consciousness to discover. But we should not forget, from the spiritual to the material. It's a two-way journey. When we go to Shurabindu's room, we see something written in mother's handwriting, cling to truth. It's a different thing that we all have our own ideas. So when we go, we have our own ideas. Everybody believes he is living in truth. Ah, yes, see, my vegetarianism, that's the truth. For somebody else it may be, (laughs) everybody is in truth. And when you go there and stand in that wonderful presence, you realize, oh my God, (laughs) and then you come back, you again see, cling to truth. Now you had a glimpse. That is the supramental life. From the spiritual, spiritual life must further evolve. Spiritual life is the life of the sage, the saint, even the heroes, the kings, rishis, raj rishis. They have all been glimpses, preparations. We thought that is the highest. No, the highest is yet to come. Wait. The sages and saints, they sing his glory. And he has yet to manifest in all his fullness. And that manifestation, when the divine will manifest in all his fullness, through this very body, not just glimpses, is the supramental creation towards which we are moving. 
religion stops short of that. Religion is too occupied with the externals. Subha teen baje utke, snan karke, nit name karke, I'll translate in English. <laughs> Puja kiya ki nahi? Did you get up morning three o'clock? Did you do the prayers after taking a bath? Bath is very important. In Hindu life, I mean, I was very shocked when once I realized there are places where people don't take a bath every day. I said, my God, aisa bhi hota hai. <laughs> because from childhood, we have grown up in that culture. No, that twice a day, not once a day. Bath should be twice a day. Huh? <laughs> so all this you've grown up. <laughs> so when I end, bath is one of the first things. <laughs> Morning, you don't go to school without taking a bath. So I was very shocked. No, every day bath. I said, my God. Anyway, so that's how it starts like that. It's a preparation. It's, a, it's important. Yeah, but then a time comes when we discover with Swami Vivekananda, as he says, that's what the difference between religious life and spiritual life. Every day we must take a, give bath to the body and to the soul. But if you don't have time for both, give bath to the soul. So my suggestion to suggestion, I don't believe in giving advices because nobody follows any advice. <laughs> That's why I say people who give advices need advice. <laughs> give advice only if you are asked. Don't give unwanted advices. <laughs> Anyways, even when asked, people don't want advice. They want to listen to their already preformed opinion. So, be very careful. This business of giving advice is the worst kind of thing. But as teachers, we are unfortunately, you know. <laughs> but every day when we come to this place, I am just paraphrasing Swami Vivekananda. That is your temple where we nourish the mind, the heart, the soul and students. And this is another temple. Go to both the places. But if you don't have time for both, Come here to show up in the integral life center. <laughs> Take a holy dip here <laughs> in the kumbh. What is kumbh? Where Ganga, Yamuna and Saraswati meet. Which, which is Saraswati? She is the Lupt River. I am not talking about the historical Lupt River. Yes, that is there. When does she emerge? When Ganga and Yamuna meet. What is Yamuna? Life. Yamuna is always chanchal. Have you seen? See Yamuna, it's... I have actually seen the storm in over Yamuna and it can be very intimidating. And when you are told there are crocodiles, there are uh, turtles, all this, you know. Dhyan se rakhna. You know, when I went with my, uh, some family members, be careful, there are crocodiles. No crocodile comes to the shore, but sometimes you don't know. Now I know, seeing everything is possible. But Yamuna is like that, no? Chanchal, she is sister of Yama. He is restless. Every moment he must pick up some band of people. But that's not what is the uh, relation between Yama and Yami. That's a different story. Very fascinating. Let me not digress. But very fascinating story of Yama and Yami. Yami becomes Yamuna. Nevertheless, the story is for Google search. Meaning I have my own. So. <laughs> anyway, so that is Yamuna life. Which is wedded to death. Yama. See? She is the sister of Yama. And yet... Yama, when he comes to Yamuna's place, yeah, let me tell the secret. So Yama comes once a year to tie the Bhai Dojka Bajada. 
So Yama says, whichever sister thinks of a brother like this, I will leave that brother, not forever, on that day, for maybe some time, I don't know. So what is it? Our human life wedded to the to death, cousins. And that comes time to time and Yama is chastened when he experiences the agony of earth. Yami, his sister is on earth. Chanchal, chapal. And yet, he understands. Okay, human life has so much suffering. I am, my job description is to do this bad job, but I have to do a good job out of a bad job because he is a god. God in the Indian mythology. So what he does is, he says, okay, I understand suffering. Time to time I will spare some people this agony in my own little way. I will do my little deed. But then when Yamuna meets Ganga, what is Ganga? Ganga is inner life. Nirmal, pure, purifying, current. Ganga is amazing. You know, I remember my Varanasi days going on the shore of Ganga. It's amazing just to see that sunrise splendor. Something very special about Ganga. But Ganga is the inner life. Yamuna is the, our outer life, what we lead all around and Ganga is like this. But when the two meet, there is a third life which must join this to the hidden current, the spiritual life, the deeper psychic life. Saraswati, she is hidden. And when the three meet, what happens? It is the it is known as the drop of immortality. Nectar of immortality. That's what is kumb. So this is like a kumb where Ganga, Yamuna and Saraswati, we meet together. It's a great, it's a tantric symbol actually, which we have translated. But in religion, the symbol is there, but the truth is lost. That is where religion is created. The symbol is there. Every year there is Ardhukumb. Purnakumbh, Mahakumbh, all kinds of. And everybody goes, lakhs of people. And it has its own energy and all that. I am not, you know, talking about that. But to realize the inner kumbh, what is that kumbh? That to make this human body a vessel, kumbhak, in which amrit, nectar of immortality can spill. And for that one has to go through that process of manthan. The demons and the gods wrestling together and all the things emerging. Look at how these beautiful stories are. But when we stop at the symbol and do not look beyond the symbol into the reality which is behind, then we have a religion. It serves a purpose for those who are not yet ready. Nothing should be removed. Everything has its place. But a day comes when we say, it's okay, I have heard Krishna dancing on the Yamuna side, below the Kadamba tree. But I want to hear his float. Ask, go to Vrindavan, ask them. Krishna ji ka float kahi milta hai. Vrindavan I am talking about, forget about other places. After few shops they will say, isko thoda, needs a check up. Somebody will quote you. Harvard University has done a research and there is no, even Krishna existed or not, 60% doubt or confirmed and 40% doubt. That's how, you know, you will hear all these stories. And if you keep asking in every, somebody to satisfy you will give you Hari Prasad Chaurasya. 
flute and you have to say this is hari prasad i want hari original hari flute then eventually they will say sir please get yourself checked up by a psychiatrist okay <laughs> and then you discover savitri and then you understand the flute that shri krishna played on the banks of the yamuna below the supramental kadamb is given the name by the mother supramental something no supramental sun below that oh that flute nobody could remember and that flute now comes through shrivindos vaani the flute of the future shrivindos used the word flutings of the infinite and it is there in the rhythms of savitri then you understand why well, see the advantage when we don't get only to that symbol but see the reality behind you realize that this is the call flute is the call of the divine in the heart of men would we be like gopis and gopis or like kans who doubts then the story becomes so beautiful connect we can connect with it thanks to this wonderful land called india where we have preserved all these symbols but sometimes we forget the inner truth the temple which has to be built inside which exists inside us the sri aurobindo integral life center the mother symbol which has to be built inside and how do we build the symbol at the center no more the ego but the mother aditi in all her fullness around her in the mind and heart and life and body all the four aspects of the divine mother and in our outer life in our dealings with this wonderful world and with the divine presence all the 12 qualities then the symbol becomes a reality otherwise it's a symbol we can put it on scooter on front of the houses it's all right but purpose of the symbol is to recreate it inside religion stops with the outer and when you start creating it inside then it begins to become spiritual another problem of religion is as i said not only too much lost in the outer but one problem which we particularly face today so often people say sub religion ek hai well politically it is okay politicians have to say all those things <laughs> everywhere but it's not true why it is not true religion tab tak ek hai till they remain connected with their spiritual core the moment they move outward from the spirit at the core of every religion there is spirituality without a doubt about it every religion starts from a some spiritual experience then it get distorted distorted and then the danger comes when it becomes exclusive only my way or no way not only my way or highway that is still okay okay fine not your way i'll move the highway but my way or no way that becomes dangerous it's a bane today we are facing this all fundamentalism and fanaticism spring from this one defect nothing else needs to be everybody follow whatever they want to but the moment i say my way or no way nothing else exists then we are entering a dangerous point that's where many religions have entered and what is the remedy 
to free them of this trapping and liberate the spiritual impulsion behind but nobody else can do it it is in each religion people have to do it themselves otherwise they'll collapse because it cannot in world nature god nothing will allow this so exclusivity it happens even in sciences materialists says there is no this thing what i have discovered my process that is the only truth so but truth is wide infinite greater than our forms but truth is wider greater than our forms a thousand icons they have built of her but she remains herself and infinite so while and that is something very nice beautiful and that is how we see in matri mandir or avil the form is within you what is the form you form is the image of that truth as it represents itself to you for me it is mother and shurabindo but that's my truth it is a grace but not everybody need to connect only through that particular form people are free to connect in their own way but important thing is this spiritual conversion important thing is to understand that the life we lead conceals the light we are important thing to understand is that let me not be confined only to the peripheries of life but turn within enter deeper and discover the one who shines through every form if you remember that then rest is okay so then there is no question of conversion no question of convincing anybody he alone knows he will convince or whatever when it's necessary so janahi jina ram janahi when the time comes people find their own way or rather he brings them to the path but whatever chhabi the form is shown to us we remain faithful to that that's how the fidelity and fundamentalism get reconciled so these are some of the thoughts about religions too much into ritualism externalities we give god moments some moments to god maybe in a drawing room religion has a place cupboard god ko hum bolte hain wah rehna ganpati stay there krishna stay there and we do everything to make him stay there but krishna comes out he is very naughty he start dancing over our head <laughs> like on kaliya we think we are the ones yamuna ayon and he says okay i'll tell you who owns yamuna <laughs> and he begins to dance and kaliya is to slither away so when god steps out of the cupboard and the temples and of course all other places of worship and enters where his place is he was always there in our hearts and mind and soul occupies our body breath and speech and act then we can say we are leading a spiritual life religious life at best is a preparation for the spiritual life at worst it becomes a obstruction to the spiritual life it is a preparation when we understand that all that we are reading all that we are uh, seeing outside has to be discovered inside it's like reading a book reading a book however great a scripture may be that's why shubindo tells us and the gita also tells us shabd brahmati vartate people often ask what is the scripture of sanatan dharma and i say many of them but ultimate scripture is in the heart 
the Gita says so. Shabda Brahmati Vartate. So the scripture is like a guide. I can't start operating on people reading a book on surgery. I have to practice it. So reading a scripture, teaching is not enough. Scripture is a guide. But the real guide is inside us. That's where the eternal Veda is present. That's what we must read. And fortunately for this, we don't need to know Sanskrit or English or Gujarati, of course, or any other language. Because he knows all languages and transcends all languages. And he speaks best when we are silent. God shall grow up when the wise men talk in sleep. And belief shall be not till the work is done. So with these few words, and as I said, religion can become a trapping when we remain confined to the peripheries. When I say only this way, make a rigid barrier between the external and the inner. Only if you do this, then only. Only if you bow down before God, frightened with fear, will He be happy? No sir, He is waiting for us to love Him. He is the eternal lover. Sri Ramakrishna said that. The Semitic religions and Shubhinda also said that. Gave to man the fear of God And India gave to man the love of God Because we know he is not a judge sitting there with a carrot and stick But he is a lover, the master of man And he is infinite lover So to relate with him in these ways Not just put God on the mandap and put all the malas Poor fellow, he must be thinking My God, this is too heavy Can somebody just loosen this? He is real, he is not a murti Imagine putting somebody there, putting all this mala, breaking coconut and all this and making him sit two hours with all those, all kinds of incenses floating all around. That he consents to it is his grace and mercy. <laughs> he doesn't have a choice. He can't run away from his devotees. And where will he run away? Because he's everywhere. But there comes a time when he says, look here, break this coconut <laughs> which is preventing you. <laughs> Offer flowers of faith Light up the incense of devotion And the lamp of aspiration In the heart And when we do that Then spiritual life begins Thank you Namaste You have